My prayer is over these next couple of weeks, as we enter into these next few days of Christmas, is that we would truly learn what it means to adore the Savior. It's one thing when you have a brand new baby in the house and everyone is adoring that baby. That's, that's, that's one meaning of adoration, but that's the, the meaning that Christ is getting at when it, when it comes to adoring Christ as our Savior and coming back to that awe and wonder is, is, is a whole nother thing that we need to come to know, a, a fresh meaning of this Christmas season. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We read uh, through the Christmas story together tonight, and we'll be going back to a portion of that here this evening. Luke chapter 2. We looked this morning at the greatest gift known to mankind. The greatest gift known to mankind, that's the babe in the manger, Jesus Christ our Lord. We looked at the birth of our Savior, how that birth was a lonely birth. It says in the Bible in in chapter 2 and verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son. It was lonely. She didn't have all of the medical a team around that might happen on a, on a, in a, in a uh, hospital room as a baby is coming into the world. She didn't have those five or six attendants waiting to do different jobs. It was a lonely birth. It was a public and humiliating birth. This was a place where cows and horses were parked, uh, stable, but it was also a divine birth. God was the one that was doing the impossible for our our salvation. We then looked at the bed of our Savior. How that it was not fitting at all for a king. Uh, A feeding trough filled with hay to lay the king of kings. And even if he did come into this world in the midst of palace walls, it still would have been humiliating because he was coming as a baby, a helpless baby, not a, a, a ruler, a ki- the, the king of kings. He came as one who was dependent on his mother and father for the things that a baby would be dependent on, and yet he was 100% God. He was 100% the son of God who had come to save us from our sins. And then we ended this morning by looking at a decision to believe on the Savior, a decision that is needed in each life. The people at the end of verse 7 who were in that inn that ignorantly turned Christ away, how it says that there was no room for, for them in the inn. They ignorantly turned away Mary and Joseph and, and the baby Jesus who was king of kings. But today people do not ignorantly turn them away. Today, people make a choice to not let him in, and they know full well the consequence of that decision. They know full well the alternative is separation from God in a place called hell. And the grave reminder that as an unbeliever, you can, one can leave that gift, that greatest gift that God has given to mankind, they can leave it unwrapped underneath the Christmas tree. And what a sobering reality that brings. 
the greatest thing that any believer can do when it comes to this Christmas is come back to the awe and the wonder of God's greatest gift to us. And that you have received that gift, that that gift, because of it, you have eternal life through Jesus Christ your Lord, as Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says. And that because of that gift, you have no fear of death, of, of, of sickness, of anything, because one day you will see your Lord glorified in, this, in, in, in a glorified body. You won't have any of that anymore. God has given you the gift of eternal life and, and never being separated from, from him for all of eternity. What a glory that is. The greatest thing we could ever do with that gift is to allow the love of that gift to flow through us to other people this Christmas season, that they too would know the God's greatest gift to mankind. Jesus truly is God's greatest gift to mankind. Most gifts this Christmas season that you will receive or you will give will have a gift tag on it, though, won't they? Or a card of some sort, a gift message. Uh, one saying from so-and-so to so-and-so, and you will give gifts and, and possibly receive gifts. And uh, the, those gift tags or those gift messages will tell you who the gift was for. As a child, uh, I did not ever want to be caught opening a gift that was my brother's. <laughs> and so I, I paid very close attention to, uh, to, to the, my sister is very nice, so she, she was okay if I accidentally ripped some wrapping paper. But I didn't want to get caught uh, with my brother's gift. In Scripture here, in Luke chapter 2, we not only find God's greatest gift to mankind, but we also find the gift message, who it's to. And that comes in the angel's song that we find in the second part of Luke chapter 2. Look with me as you found your place there at verse number 8. Verse number 8 of Luke chapter 2. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. We're going to take verse 10 as our main text here tonight, knowing that God's gift his gift message reads, from God to all people. Praise the Lord for that. And that next verse makes it even more personal. For unto you, and that wasn't just to the shepherds, that is to you tonight. For unto you is born, was born, if I can change it just for a moment there. God completed 
and kept his promise to you. Tonight we're going to look at Christmas through the eyes of a child, the glorious gift message that was given by the angels. Father, as we look to your word tonight, or this, this glorious Christmas Eve, thank you for the privilege of, of your word. And Lord, that, that your word, the Son of God, became flesh for each one of us. Lord, that we would not have to face the sting of death if we would but believe on you for, for eternal life. Lord, I thank you for those tonight that have accepted your free gift. And for anyone else, Lord, that is in our community, Lord, that needs that free gift, Lord, I pray that we would be channels of your love to them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The heart of God is shown in this glorious message shared by the angels. I believe specifically in verse 10. Look at verse 10 with me. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And we'll focus on those three things tonight. Good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. As you can imagine, the shepherds on that hillside that night, the crest of the hill there by Bethlehem, where these sheep would graze, specifically the sheep that were used for the sacrifices in the temple, were said to graze on the hills of Bethlehem. Here it was where these sacrifices were grazing a message of the sacrifice of the great sacrifice that would be for all men would come and be declared by these angels of the Lord. Here it was, they were keeping watch over their flock by night, and I don't know if you can imagine, but they weren't accustomed to having great lights from the sky come and, and uh, scare them awake. It was nighttime. Uh, the, the sheep were grazing, doing their thing, and these guys just wanted to get through third shift. They wanted to be able to get, you know, oh, I, I cannot imagine if, if what they were talking about, whether Joe or Billy Bob did not come in for their shift and they had to take an extra shift. Well, uh, lucky for them, this was, a, this was a time where God chose to exalt once again the lowly. All throughout, you, you, you look through, all throughout Luke chapters 1 and 2, God over and over again is exalting the meek and the humble. Think about it. Mary, someone who is meek and humble and wanted to just be the handmaid of the Lord, became the mother of the Savior of the world, became the Virgin Mary who gave birth to, to Jesus Christ. The shepherds, as, as they were uh, despised by the rest of society, became the first recipients, witnesses of this birth. And I'll talk about it more on Wednesday night. But in society, as historians tell, shepherds were so despised that they weren't even allowed to be witnesses in a court of law. And so here, God is saying to them, God is saying to all of society, I will exalt the meek and the lowly. God came not just to save the princes and the kings, the, the rulers and the Sanhedrin, the, the Pharisees and all these upper echelon people in religion. God came to give this message to all people, including the lowly. Praise the Lord for that. 
here tonight, I want to start by looking at these good tidings of great joy to all people. And really, as you then start reading down through verses, uh, verses 11 through 14, you find those three elements play out. As, as, the, the, as the angels are, give this glorious song and declaration to these shepherds. Let's look first at these good tidings. What were the good tidings that, that they were declaring? Look at verse 11. These good tidings were, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And it shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. These good tidings were for you. These good tidings are for you. What are tidings? What, what, are, what are good tidings? Uh, the definition of tidings is information, intelligence, an account of what has taken place and what was not known before. So news, if you can think about the idea of breaking news, something that wasn't known before but just came to be. And this was in, in truly was good news or as the scripture tells us, good tidings. Something that wasn't known to us before, that was prophesied of, but wasn't not fulfilled yet. And here, this came in, this was good tidings of great joy. In what ways, and I want you to think for a moment here tonight, in what ways is Jesus' birth good tidings for you? Let me say that again. In what ways is Jesus' birth good tidings for you? It's good tidings for you because He came to be your Savior. There is a deliverance that was about to take place 33 years later. A deliverance from sin, death, and hell. A deliverance from an evil master. The old man, sin, Sin was your master before, uh, before you got saved. And God came, he sent his son to, to cleanse us from sin and to save us from hell. That is what the good tidings for you are all about. That's, that's how Jesus Christ, his birth was good tidings for you. What else? It was the fulfillment of a great hope, a great expectation. This had been prophesied for, for many, many years just as a, a baby, when, when it's coming time to, for a mother to be due, to, to give birth to a baby, there is a, especially when you get to that week number 40, there is a growing expectation, and sometimes week 41, as it was with my wife. There is a growing expectation that baby is coming, and there isn't a full relief, there isn't a full deliverance until that baby safely, until you know, hey, that baby safely came into the world. That, that is a great relief and a, and, a, and a fulfillment of an expectation that was maybe on your mind for that mother. That's how it was when Jesus' birth uh, came to be. How it is good tidings to you is that there was a fulfillment of a great hope. There was a fulfillment of a promise to each one of us. But it's, it's much more than just that it came to be. It's the fact that God promised it, and he kept his word. That's, the, that's if, if anyone questions Scripture, 
All they have to do is look at the number of prophecies about Christ and just his coming, just his birth, and look at how many prophecies were kept and and promises were completed. Jesus, the promised one, came, and he's a good tiding for you. What else? Because of his coming, because of Jesus' birth, it is good tidings for you because you now can have true peace with God true peace with God because of Jesus' birth and ultimately his death, burial, and resurrection later on, it provided the necessary payment for you to have perfect peace with God. You could, you, you could now truly know that the Savior could now truly be Christ and, and, and Lord of your life because before you had that old master of sin, God now rescued you and brought his peace to you. You can truly be restored to the purpose you were created for. It's to be, to, to, to be uh, right with God, to be, to be saved. So that is, that is God's good tidings. And there's, there's many more other things that maybe you can think about. And I encourage you to think on that this Christmas season how is Jesus Christ's birth good tidings for me? And just think about all of the different things that we enjoy as Christians, as believers, being accepted in the beloved, being redeemed, being all of those things, being chosen. Uh, God's, God's grace is endless. His good tidings for us are endless when it comes to his word and what he tells us, tells us about good tidings because of his birth. Secondly, tonight I want to look at the great joy that came because of Christ's birth. Look at verses 13 and 14. If you thought these shepherds were scared, look at verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. I cannot imagine what that would have been like. All right, we've got one angel here. That was scary enough. He told us not to fear. All right. And then suddenly, what does the word suddenly mean? Suddenly means without notice in an unexpected manner. The, uh, they were not expecting this. A multitude of the heavenly hosts. And I don't know what it was. Maybe it was a hundred. Maybe it was a thousand. Maybe it was 10,000. But there was a heavenly host, a huge choir uh, that was lighting up the sky And this was a massively glorious sight for these shepherds as they were trying to view this. I don't know if it was through their fingers or from the ground, but these angels were praising God. I've been to a lot of neat concerts. I don't know how many you've been to, Mr. Milligan, but of especially of good choirs, large choirs singing the Handel's Messiah. Glory to God, glory to God in the highest. All of those, all of those massively, and, and Handel did such a good job of, of putting uh, scripture to song. And I don't know if we'll sing that up there, but, but we'll be singing with the heavenly host, holy, holy, holy. And we'll be singing glory to God in the highest. We'll be bringing God glory. We'll be part of that heavenly host one day. 
doing our intended purpose, bringing God glory. And that will be a wonderful day. It must have been an amazing, amazing sight, an amazing choir. These men who were so despised by all of society, given the greatest message ever known to mankind. The Savior had come. Glory to God in the highest. We see good tidings. We see great joy. But lastly, I want us to see it was to all people. Look at verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And then look down to verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. What was God's message to all of mankind? That the last thing recorded anyway that we have of the angels saying was what? Glory to God in the highest. They were giving God praise. There was great joy, magnificent joy towards God. And then the last few words that we read are, On earth peace, goodwill toward men. Peace is a wonderful word, isn't it? It means inner rest, personal satisfaction, and a perfect calm. A calm. The world in which we live in is full of trouble, pain, fear, stress, the exact opposite of peace. All of that would would not be peace. And everyone, whether they want to admit it or not, they're all looking for the same exact thing. They're looking for peace. They are looking for, for that they have problems, every, everyone. They, they might have uh, all the wealth in the world, but there's problems that come with that too, and they're all looking for what is true peace. Many people look to drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography. They look to all of it for some sort of peace, some sort of satisfaction, and many other nasty, yucky things that people go to to find peace. None of them will bring true peace. They only bring a false sensation of peace. God is the only one that can bring true peace. He brings a peace that is all his own. He tells the disciples there in John chapter 14, uh, My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. It's a peace that is perfectly complete. It's not just a false sensation of it, like many of those other things try to give you. A peace that is everlasting. Not, it's, it's something that doesn't go away. God gives a peace that is forever. That, that is what peace is. To, to, that, that's the peace that God wants to give us here on earth today. The second thing that God tells us in this passage here through the angels is that there is goodwill toward men. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you look up the word goodwill and you attach a hyphen in between that in the the Webster's 1812, uh, 1828 dictionary, uh, it comes up with one word, benevolence. I was like, well, that's not helpful. So you look up the word benevolence and it means it has as its definition goodwill. And then it goes on, the disposition to do good, goodwill, kindness, accompanied with the desire to promote their happiness. That's 
That's amazing. The fact that God, his natural tendency, his disposition, his state, his state as God toward us, his natural state is to do us good, not evil. Can you think of a Bible verse that would state the same thing? Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And just like that, that's the Lord's natural state towards us. And not just that, but the definition goes on, accompanied with the desire to promote their happiness. Do you know the Lord wants you to be happy this Christmas season? The Lord is desiring that you are happy, happy, uh, happy that we do not need to fear death, happy that we don't need to fear Satan because of his birth, his, his gift to us, happy that we don't need to pay for our sin, happy that we indeed will have a home forever with our Savior if we simply believe on him for salvation. This message that God gives us through the angels here is the greatest message, I believe, known to mankind. For unto you is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Let's pray.